It's 9-11. America is at a point where we are finally coming together as a country. Football is back. We're holding hands. We're spreading the love. No, of course not. This is America. We're going to boo unity. It wasn't about the kneeling or the flag, you silly people. We're going to talk about football coming back and the Texas Chiefs audience reception to a gesture of unity. We are going to talk 9-11, the thousands that were lost, the millions that were affected, and the hundreds of millions around the world that lost their rights as a result of it. Of course, we're going to talk gold. We're going to talk copper. I believe gold is reloading. We'll talk about why. Next week should be an exciting week of drill results. I think that'll be the case for the rest of the year. TikTok. We're going to talk TikTok. It's interesting. Um, that keeps getting more and more interesting. I am Gerardo Del Real along with my co-host, Fight the Fed, Mr. Nick Hodge. This is episode 86 of Bizarro World. Nick, how are you? I forgot to mention that Fight the Fed Nick was fighting the Fed without power this week. How is how's that coming along? If you've uh, paid attention to the news in the western half of the country at all, you'll know that it's on fucking fire. There's fires everywhere in Oregon and Northern California and uh, Washington. And then there was a windstorm here in eastern Washington on Monday with winds up to 50 miles an hour that took out power for 20-something thousand people in and around uh, Spokane, some of which... Uh, was due to wind uh, knocking down infrastructure or knocking down trees that then knocked down infrastructure or the wind spreading fires quickly that then burned down infrastructure. In some cases, I was reading like um, up to 100 to 200 poles in some communities had to be replaced and they'll be without power until like September 17th or something. So fortunate that we were only without it for two days. I had a little bit of fun. I got to uh, spray some starter fluid in the carburetor of the generator, which was fun. Get the freezers going so we didn't lose the meat in there and uh, put pond water in buckets to go flush the toilets. And uh, I I don't mind that, but my wife and kids do. So glad to have it back and have a new appreciation for it uh, once it's back on because uh, no shower for two days isn't fun for anybody. It's not. And you mentioned, you know, we I, I mentioned that it's 9-11 today. We record on Friday, of course. And so the fact that there's thousands of people that will be without power until the 17th and they've been without, what, four or five days already? That's right. Some, some longer? That's exactly right. So we're talking people that have gone without power for two weeks. Meanwhile, we have a pandemic where, you know, we're having a fluff numbers to, to, to make the return of employment look better than what it actually is. And we have infrastructure all around the country that's crumbling. Um, that, that, that if we had a set of politicians that could just come together and agree on anything, um, we could pass a comprehensive package that would actually be beneficial and would have a lasting positive effect on the country and its citizens. And instead, Congress is still on vacation, Trump is arguing with himself about interviews he did with Mr. Woodward, which, you know, again, there's video of your words and there's audio of the interviews, which is silly. Um, and yet here we are, you know, September 11th, 2020. Where are we, Nick, 19 years later as it goes with privacy and rights and this fourth turning that we are in the midst of? Do you think that... That was one of those, and I know the answer is obviously it's a rhetorical question, but do you think that sure. that was one of those events and catalysts um, that shaped the way that the new generation viewed 
America and the world. I mean, that's the year I graduated high school, Gerardo, if you want to think about it that way. So Mm. um, it's been 19 years since. uh, A couple of quick things. Um, The first person who wasn't born during 9-11 has already perished in wars fighting as a result of 9-11, which is a very interesting um, sentence to me. I won't call it a statistic because that's in poor taste. Um, And you had things in, in... the past decade, which it's been a decade now, like WikiLeaks and um, Edward Snowden that have cast um, transparency and clarity on exactly what governments were doing in response to. Um, and then you can quickly draw parallels to uh, maybe rights being taken away as a result of this pandemic that um those of us that have now living through and seen what happened as a result of 9-11 know you don't get back, right? Like the police aren't giving back their militarized vehicles. The NSA is not stopping the snooping on phone calls, for example. Edward Snowden um, and Julian Assange are still in exile, right? The status quo and the, uh, the powers at be um, don't like them and they don't like you showing um, what they're truly doing, you know, as it comes to to privacy and your rights. And I guess those would be uh, most of my thoughts, but the wars are ongoing. And um, of course, the whole thing is is sort of uh, rooted in religion, which is a a bit weird and and foreign to me anyway. Um, But uh, nonetheless, here we are. It's it's nearly 20 years later. certainly feel bad for those who lost people and, and have the utmost respect for the, the first responders. And um, I don't know. Uh, and you asked to have, where are we now? And you said it was a rhetorical question. My answer would have been Kamala Harris is the VP candidate. We haven't come all that far. Where are we now? Let's talk about the Supreme Court decision. I believe it was last week, which I failed to mention last week. And I meant to that basically vindicated Snowden and said that, yes, indeed, the, the the lawsuit brought by the ACLU saying that the wiretapping, which we already knew was illegal, it, the Supreme Court ruled it illegal. And my immediate thought is, well, if we have a young man who's now an older man um, in Russia exiled facing criminal charges because he exposed something illegal, well, two thoughts. One, shouldn't he be pardoned? Because he did the right thing, what your mom and dad teach you to do when you're young, when you're little. Um, And two, if it was illegal and somebody broke the law, then who the fuck is going to prison for it? Is that a rhetorical question? (laughs) Because the answer is nobody, at least, you know, not right now, unless unless heads are going to roll. You know, we've said for years that Edward Snowden uh, did the right thing. I I think it was uh, clear to a lot of people, and, and I think that's, um, you know, underscores the, the disunity that you alluded to uh, in the beginning of the segment here. That really also, aside from the millions affected with every everything from, you know, cancer to, to you know, respiratory diseases, the people that lost their life, the people that lost freedoms, you know, the countries that had nothing to do with it and citizens of those countries around the world that got their, you know, cities and countries bombed back a couple of generations as a result that, you, you know, 9-11 really kicked off you know, the last great overreach of government to expand the deficit and the budget. Now, here we are in 2020, and here are some fun stats. And I promise everybody, we'll get to gold and juniors and how you can make money here in just a little bit. But, you know, it's 9-11. It's important to talk about this stuff. Um, 
Yeah, I'll, I'll share a personal story. I, I, I worked in Manhattan um, when 9-11 happened. I, I, I managed a retail store, supervised a retail store. And I happened to be on vacation in Mexico at the time. And I was on my way back to New York. Um, and I was in L.A. at the airport when 9-11 happened. And so what ends up happening, or I was on my way to the airport, um, my brother-in-law tells me, turn on the TV. I turn on the TV. I, I, I see what's happening. And, you know, I end up, I end up stuck in LA for the next three weeks because there were, you know, the building that I managed was smoked out and there was no communication. The lines were down. And so that's, you mentioned that you, you know, that's the year you graduated high school. Well, that's what I was doing. I actually lived in New York and worked in Manhattan at the time. And that's what ended up, um, sending me to Alaska. You know, my parents lived in Alaska and I thought, let me go visit them while I figure out what's going to happen in New York. And then I met my beautiful wife. And, you know, the running joke is that's the only good thing that I've ever heard come out of 9-11. Mr. Joe Foster of, uh, of, of Van Eck back in the days uh, uh, was the first gentleman who, uh, who said that to me. He's the only happy story I've heard come out of 9-11. But I say all that to say that, you know, whoever you were, you remember where you were and it had all sorts of different effects. And so one of the big ones was the, the, the abundance of government overreach and, you know, we blew our deficit out going to war with countries that mostly had nothing to do with it. The one that did, we didn't touch because it was an ally. Um, and it tells you just how nasty politics can be. And here we are in 2020 and the United States 2020 deficit is projected to be 16% of GDP. That's the biggest since guess when? 1945. 1945, the budget gap tripled nearly in the first 11 months, Nick, of fiscal 2020. It's absolute madness. And yet we have a Fed because the markets were a bit soft this week that is largely expected to come to the rescue, right? There's a Fed meeting that concludes this upcoming Wednesday. And, you know, the trader bros and Robin Hood people are all hoping that Sugar Daddy Jerome comes to the rescue with another fix. What do you think is going to happen at that Fed meeting? You think we get anything, Nick? I'm not sure what's going to happen. I think that those traders you mentioned, and, and make no mistake, you know, this is a, a, a narrative that is being debated, right? Like, are these quote unquote more Robin Hood traders impacting the market? And, you know, the old wall or the traditionalists would tell you no, but the, the very real fact is that you know some whatever 50 to, to 80 million new trading accounts have been uh created in 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 recent months and um you can just look at the uh the volume of uh videos i see out there of, of armchair uh, traders etc to know that they're in the market and of course the whole dave uh portnoy phenomenon um what look? I'm not a I'm not a Fed head, Gerardo. And so, what more they can they do? That's a question for you. Are they gonna? Uh, I mean, they're not even thinking about thinking about rates. Are they going to zero? I mean, they're already in the market buying uh, corporate debt, um, uh, you know, bonds and funds through private companies. Um, what's next? Are you talking? Are you are you, you know intimating a further rate cut? I think they'll posture the possibility of one. I don't think they'll actually. It's a little do premature. It. Absolutely, I think it is a little premature. But I think the market will eventually force the Fed's hand the way it has every single time because it knows that that Powell is a, a, a slave to the broader U.S. indices. 
And, and, and so I do believe that we get some sort of language that hints to the fact that there are what they always say, additional tools, you know, that, that, that could include further rate cuts and more special purpose vehicles, which is just a changing of the law to make legal what was illegal for a very long time. Right. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you've got uh, uh, a quasi government entity in there tinkering around with markets. Uh, we, what, what do you call it? You know, uh, nationalizing risk or whatever. Right. And so um, eliminating price discovery and um, no one knows how it'll end. That's why these conversations are interesting. You know, I don't pretend to know what's next, but like you say, we can tell you that this is unprecedented and that's not what the law calls for. And they're doing things uh, that are outside of the scope of their mandate and that are untested just because they've never been done before. And so um, that's why it's so interesting. And also um, uh, textbook good for gold, right? These additional tools are like, you know, additional ad additional tools or additional fuel. I want to do something with that. <laughs> There's a lot to do. Let's talk about gold. Gold is reloading. The famous words of Mr. Scarface. It closed at 1942. It dipped down, I believe, what, as low as the 1915 level? Um, the 1936 level, um, this, this, these past few, few hours, um, 1914 for the week was the low. And so, yeah, no, I think it's consolidating beautifully, uh, on days where the dollar has showed some strength. Gold is held up well on days where the dollar has been soft. Gold hasn't done much. It goes up, it, it, it pulls right back, but I think it's reloading. I, I, I do think that the next couple of weeks are going to bring increased volatility, um, to the upside and the downside, and we need it. We need it. The sideways consolidation is not sustainable, just like the moves in the broader indices are, you know, we're not going to have relative stability going into the election cycle, which, you know, we're a couple of months away now. So yeah, expect some choppy trading, but expect higher prices. There's a lot of people out there that don't believe gold touches 2000 bucks again this year. I'll take the other side of that. You know, if we just hold these levels, it really won't matter with the amount of news that we have coming from some of our favorite names in the space, right? Yeah, which I know you want to talk about. And we don't have to spend a lot of time on the gold price because it's doing just what you say. It's been consolidating now uh, for a couple of weeks. And um, if, if, if consolidation at the, the former past price is, is, is the new baseline, then all good, which we've said for a couple of weeks. And so just keep an eye on it. It's consolidating. Absolutely. You know, what's not consolidating is copper. Copper looks, uh, copper looks really, really, really good. And this, you know, this, this precludes any major stimulus efforts. Um, as I expect, there will be many globally. Um, and, and it's, you know, three, 306 a pound, 307 is, is the 30 day high. Um, I, I like me some gold and copper juniors, Nick. I, I know you do. And, and, and even the, the larger companies really the across the gamut, have done well. I was just, and I don't talk about Rio Tinto a lot, but I was I was writing an issue this week where Rio Tinto was in the uh, portfolio, and, and it's done exceedingly well as a top ten copper producer, and and so um, from production all the way down to the exploration, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, yeah, it's a good time to be in the in the copper space. 
It is, especially if you have some good, uh, some good gold action going along with it, right? And I think the one obvious one and one that that should have assays here in the next, you know, I'll speculate the next seven to fourteen days, and and it's one that we've mentioned often. I think soon the market will realize why is Chicana Copper. You know, they're going to release what I believe will be excellent results because of the predictability of these tourmaline breccia pipes. I think that they're going to release excellent results in a market that, frankly, they've never had to release these types of results into. They've had some blockbuster results in the past, but not in this type of market. It's a it's a it, it's a different beast when you're talking 306 copper and, you know, 1943 gold, 1942 gold. So, Chicana copper is one that's moved up a little bit in the last 30 days, but it's nowhere near with the market cap of 58 million Canadian where I believe it ends up. At the end of September, we will see if that is proven correct. I think we'll know sooner rather than later. Um, any names that you like, whether it's copper, copper, gold, gold, any combination thereof? Oh, goodness, Gerardo. What did we, I mean, what have we done recently? I mean, wrote a bunch you know, of checks. I, I know, I know. So, yeah, I mean, what do we want to go into? I mean, that the Regulus, I was researching the stars recently, right? Regulus and and, and Aldebaran um, are, are two good copper speculations in, in South America. Chicana, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a shareholder of uh, as well. And so those are some some really good names to start to like take a look at, uh, albeit on the smaller side. I, of course, uh, mentioned Rio Tinto. On the gold side, I know you want to talk about results, so we can just stick with that. Um, you and I were talking before we pressed record about Mill Rock, which is um, you know, drilling adjacent to the to the Pogo mine up there in Alaska, and the first couple of holes have been smoke. You know, you often hear about smoke but not fire, and um, a little bit of disappointment. I mean, frankly, I had been concerned about the trading action, and then some some very low mineralized holes this week. I think you know caused investors to, to lose faith, and, and that was apparent in the share price, which ticked down to around sixteen cents or so, or so, maybe even fifteen cents today. Uh, whereas it was, you know, 23, 24 cents when drilling was uh, announced. And so, um, yeah, those first couple of holes weren't um, the most inspiring, right? But there's a lot of work to be done. Like you said, it's a giant land package. I think people forget that the the spend on that project for this year is $5 million, right? For resolution to, to keep earning in. And so a lot of work to be done and a lot of uh, holes yet to come. And Another one would be Nevada Sunrise, which you should talk about and, and New Plaster Dough. I shall. Let's start with Mill Rock because I think that, and, and you know, this isn't really on Mill Rock. They're the operator, but, um, you know, Resolution is, 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 is the majority partner that's calling the shots. And they, 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 put, they put themselves in a bit of a box. You know, they had announced previously Resolution had that they would report, you know, two holes at a time, which is what they did. And I think that now looking back, sure, that would have been great had you hit a discovery hole right off the bat. But once you realized you didn't have that, um, I really wish they wouldn't have put themselves in that corner because I think it would have been, um, you know, beneficial to, to, to the trading action and the share price and, and painting a broader picture on what is a vast land package. It would have been beneficial for them to put out maybe, you know, the first six, seven, eight holes once all those were in, given that a lot of these holes were kilometers apart. And so I think if you're painting a picture for a potential gold camp and you're drilling holes kilometers apart, it's probably not the best idea to release two holes at a time. Um, but that, that, that's just my take. And again, I'm, I'm kind of 
um, Monday night quarterbacking this thing, right? Sure. Where where I'm looking back with with some soft results early on. I will say this: all it takes is one hole, <laughs> um, and and you know that that that's 15, 16 cent price will be a thing of the past really quick. So drilling is ongoing. They have assays pending. Um, let's see if they stick with that every two hole kind of approach and. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. You touched. On I, I think people. Uh, so one more thing on Millwork. I yeah, think yeah, people yeah. want wanted news because it was interrupted, right? We were sort of um, left hanging with the whole suspended because of the the, the whole COVID outbreak, right? And so um, the market was like had bated breath, right? They wanted those results, wanted those results, which I would assume is why Greg did it that way. Agreed, agreed. And then you mentioned two companies that. Um, are partnering on one project and and New Plaster Dome Gold, uh, of course, operator and 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 eighty percent owner of Kinsley Mountain, which I am extremely excited about, and I, I I believe that those assays are expected in late September or early October, which is fast approaching. Three rigs turning, they're looking for high grade extensions at the western flank zone, which has had some incredible intercepts. I've, I've I've gone over this in the past on this podcast, so I won't again. But look out for those. Um, but they're also now with this third rig doing some wildcat exploration drilling, which is you know deeper drilling all around the property, and that's extremely exciting to me because I've always believed that there's more than one zone. It's not just one high grade zone. I think there's oxide potential. I think there's sulfide potential at depth in different types of systems and in different parts of the property. And we're going to know soon. Um, but before that, we're going to get results. I think probably next week, if, 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 if they're true to their word about when results were coming um, from the Bolo property, which is also in Nevada. And, you know, that's a project that had some good numbers in the past. Some of it was confirmation of historic drilling, but some of the numbers that came back, frankly, in this price environment were pretty darn impressive and I'd be curious to see how the next week plays out for new Plaster Dome Gold. I would look for results on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday if they're positive, something to look out for. Um, I hear whispers of excitement, but, you know, everybody's excited, right? Sure, it's a bull market. It's a bull market is absolutely right. Um, I know you had bigger fish to fry and bigger problems and situations to deal with this week, but did you get a chance to see the clip of, uh, you know, football's back, right? Everybody is excited. It's America's sport. We had the Texans and the Chiefs and, uh, you know, there was a moment where, okay, we're not going to kneel, you know, we're not going to not come out from the locker room. We're all going to hold hands in the middle of the field pregame and just acknowledge that we don't want racism. We're all for equality and justice. Let's stop with, you know, all the stuff that people said. The kneeling is disrespectful to the flag and, you know, the people that have served and everybody's entitled to their opinion. So the NFL did not do that this time around. They just had the players come out. The players wanted this. They negotiated for this and all held hands, both teams. <laughs> that got booze from the crowd. Did you see that clip? I didn't see the clip, but I read about it. And um, you're not going to make the people happy. At least you're not going to make half of them happy, right? Like, now, you did an interview with someone this week who, or maybe it was last week, I don't know what day it is anymore, who mentioned politics in the, in the interview. And I was talking to someone who said, you know, why would they mention uh, politics in the interview? It's just uh, the sort of the climate we're in, right? I'm sure um, there were people in the crowd who absolutely loved it. But we're in this place now where um, every protest needs a counter protest, Gerardo. And so... Um, if there's people that are clapping it, I'm sure there was someone there of another political stripe who who um, 
had to boo it, especially when um, you got the whole Kaepernick, which was a story I did see this week. And mm-hmm. he was included in Madden this week, right? Um, the, the game, the, the highly popular video game, even though he's still a free agent. Um, and that would be sort of a, another finger in the eye from the NFL to the whole movement in, in from my perspective, really, is, um, you know, you're negotiating with the players, you're, you're quasi allowing them to express themselves. I saw the Miami Dolphins are going to stay in the locker room while uh, the national anthem is playing for, for their opener, and you're trying to make real progress. Meanwhile, um, the figure who sort of, you know, quote unquote, started it all and also, you know, like has the stats to be, to be a tier one quarterback, which is inarguable in my mind. I'm not a football guy. I could just read the numbers, right? Um, it's still not signed. And so, um, you know, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth overall for the NFL. And I know, I don't know if that's the way you wanted to go with this conversation, but nonetheless, that was a great gesture, right? You know, holding hands on the, the field is a positive and, um, we're at a point politically where, um, you know, you can't make certain groups happy and uh, people are very vociferous. I mean, there's a lot of Karens out there on both sides. And so you get you get booze. And people believe that if they disagree with an opinion, they're entitled to make demands. And so, again, let me personalize this for you all. Everybody knows that I write several newsletters, two newsletters for The Outsider Club, um, premium newsletters, and so paid newsletters. And so people pay for ideas and facts and viewpoints. And if you don't believe that the political landscape affects the Fed or monetary policy or fiscal policy, then I don't know what planet you live in. I don't know why um, you know, you, you don't just write your own newsletter. But again, even then, I am willing to entertain the gentleman that I interviewed as a legend in our space, Mr. Bob Bishop. And his comment during that interview was a brief one, and it was factual. What he said was, we have a reality we have a gentleman that's a, a reality show host and star that is running the country as if he's still searching for ratings. That seemed pretty factual, but let's just pretend it was inaccurate. Mr. Bishop has the right to his opinion. Had he said, Mr. Trump is the finest president that I've seen in my lifetime, I would have disagreed respectfully, but I would not have edited the comment because it doesn't really matter to me what your personal opinion about the current political landscape is as it relates to your personal situation. I'm interviewing you because I want to get your opinion about a number of things. And if that's a point that you wish to express, you have every right to express it. I could interview somebody and they could tell me during the interview, you know what, Gerardo, I agreed to this interview because I had stuff to get off my chest. And one of those things is I think your interview style is trash. And I would say, well, I'm sorry that you feel that way, but I'm glad that you're on here because I got some really important things to talk with you about. My point being, I am not in the habit or business and never will be of editing anybody's free speech. That's not what I do. So I had a subscriber write in who wrote in and said, I just subscribed to your newsletter. I was extremely disappointed um, that Mr. Bishop echoed a political sentiment and then put in all caps, which is, I guess, the equivalent of yelling, you know, remove all political commentary from your newsletter now or I will unsubscribe. And this will show me how seriously you take your subscribers. So I politely responded to customer service and said, can somebody get this fucking bum off my mail list? 
give them a refund on me. I asked Nick if I could do it because Nick runs the show over at Outsider Club. What was your response, Nick? Of course. Of course. And so, Mr. Whoever the fuck you are, I hope you enjoyed the free issue. And I hope that the picks make you some money. And you know what? It's okay to disagree. I have zero problems disagreeing or having, you know, different points of views on things. Um, I have several close friends that are Trump supporters for one reason or another. Not a problem. They have their reasons. I have several friends that think Biden and Kamala are, you know, God's gift to saving America, which I disagree with as well. They have the right to that opinion. What you don't get to do is come to my place of business and and demand that the business be run a certain way. Um, you can go kick rocks and start your own business or take your dollar somewhere else because frankly, in that situation, your dollar isn't welcome. So I hope I'm crystal clear about the fact that it is great to disagree. You can have whatever viewpoint you have um, as long as it's not violent or infringing on somebody else's safety. But when you start making demands and you start yelling and, and then then you're going to get a different response from me. And, and you know, that was that. So, yeah, you know, we're at a point where um, everybody everything is politicized. And, you know, I thought Mark Cuban said it best. Mark Cuban was asked, you know, what do you think about the politicization of sports? And he said, the only people that I see politicizing sports are 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 extremists ex- on both sides um, and 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 newspaper and politician people. I don't see sports being politicized. I see the players coming out all united that they want to end racism and they stand united for justice and equality. He goes, I don't see anything controversial about that. It's everybody else trying to sell a paper or get a click or get a viewer um, for advertising revenue. Um, those are the people that are doing it. And again, especially today on a day like 9-11, I refuse, refuse to be divided by people that will not tolerate a different viewpoint because that's probably the same thing that we fought world wars about. You know, one group imposing their way and their will on everyone else. And it's probably the same thing that a lot of the people that hold those opinions deep down are really trying to fight against. I get it. They think their world is changing. They think there's no place in it for them. You know, I understand some of those concerns. They've been voiced to me by people that I I, I, I respect. Um, and I don't have to agree with it. I just know where it comes from. But yeah, you're not going to make demands on, 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 on how we run our business. That's just not going to happen. So anyhow, that, that was that story. Well, as a libertarian, you know, I'm a big free speech guy. And so... You know, you can say whatever you want. I don't have to uh, take it seriously or literally or have feelings about it or react to it. Um, you know, I can simply forget it and, and let it go, which is um, something a lot of people seemingly uh, aren't able to do. And then, you know, we've reached a level of discourse or non-discourse in this country um, that is, you know, subpar and elementary and at an eighth grade reading level. Um and you also got these aspects of, of, of cancel. Serious. You also got these aspects of. I just like how you suddenly snuck that in there. I got to cancel. You got these aspects of cancel culture where on both sides, right? Where both like, sides. Absolutely. Uh, you, you're going to lose your job if you, you know, publicly display, you know, your, your political beliefs or we're not going to buy your tires for this, that and the. The other reason, whatever it is, right? And so, um, you know, again, I'm not uh, the solutions. I'm not the one running for president. So um, 
I think there's a lot of things that got to be uh, worked out. I think that the problems are, are surely, um, if not slowly, being identified. And um, I'm happy to watch it all play out, if not a bit uh, disappointed in my fellow citizens. Uh, yeah, I again, I hope it's kind of like the gold consolidation, you know, the past several weeks. I hope it's a, a, a reload of, of common sense and a reload of commonality and, you know, just... Uh, Let's be neighborly, man. Let's be better to each other. Let's, let's we don't have to agree. Whatever. It is what it is. Um, but yeah, let, let's see where that goes. Uh, some of the problems that are being identified are being identified by the Trumpster himself. <laughs> Unfortunately, somebody told him it was a good idea to sit down, you know, with 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 one of the journalists that, you know, is notorious, of course, for um discovering some things about people that don't want things discovered, right? And so he sat down with Bob Woodward and basically in a conversation that was recorded on February the 7th, when Trump was in front of the American public and the American people telling everybody that this thing is nothing. We have 15 cases. It'll be one soon and then it'll be nothing. He's on record saying to Woodward on February the 7th, this is deadly stuff. You just breathe the air and that's how it's passed. And so that's a very tricky one. That's a very delicate one. It's also more deadly than even your strenuous flu. These are his words, guys. These aren't conspiracy theorist words that they superimposed on a deep state fake video. This is Trump saying what he knew. And again, it just speaks to the fact that for a large part of that base, Words and facts don't matter because there really hasn't been any outrage by anybody that wasn't already outraged, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, the response was uh, abhorrent. We talked about that um, from the start when the senators were dumping stocks, when they knew how bad it was. And this is confirmation that they, in fact, did know um, how bad it was. On through to when we saw the curve not flattening in the U.S. like it was. Um, in other countries on through to now where, you know, uh, the amount of deaths um, and not just absolute numbers, but per capita numbers and the the, the level of testing is, um, you know, subpar to, to other developed countries. That's mathematical facts. Right. Um, and so, um, of course, he knew how how deadly it was. What did I see? There was a couple of things I wanted to talk about. Oh, I saw one journalist. Um, I guess it's more of an opinion guy, David Frum, uh, talking about why Trump does things like that. And he was saying it translates from his um, business career. You know, Bob Bishop was talking about how he's always chasing ratings or whatever as a TV star. But that was his point. Uh, yes. <laughs> you, you know, Trump as a businessman had bankruptcies multiple times. And David Frum was saying, you know, he's used to talking his way out of it. The checks in the mail, checks in the mail. And then um, serendipitously or, or not, something would happen that allowed him to buy more time or miraculously come up with the capital or whatever it was that allowed him to put out that small fire and move on to, to his next endeavor. And so um, David Frum was saying he thinks Trump thinks his words can change things. And so by publicly downplaying it, um, he was thinking that he could either a change it or that two something miraculous was going to happen that it would the virus would just disappear on its own or that science would cure it before it had a chance to do what we know it has 
uh, now done. And then the last thing I would say is, um, again, shame on the public. We knew how I was. I mean, lots of people were telling you how dangerous this thing was in February um, and March. It was clear to see. Um, and so, um, yeah, I get that that Trump was talking to Bob Woodward back in February. But also uh, one comment I did see that had a little bit of validation or validity in my mind was Bob Woodward was also comfortable waiting to September to sell books with that quote instead of warning everybody in February, right? This is a fact. <laughs> Fuck that guy. I don't care what he did in the 70s and, you know, his contribution to Deep Throat, which led to, you know, of course, the monumental movie by the same name. Um, <laughs> Fuck Bob Woodward. You know, he should have came out and told somebody. I mean, if that was the case, because again, this is February. We really didn't have an idea of of as 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 the general public um, of what this could be, and 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 you know, fortunately, the mortality rate hasn't been what what many feared. But you know, that's that's a near hit. You know, George uh, George Carlin used to always say, "It's not a near miss. Shouldn't it be a near hit?" That's a near hit, and 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 we dodged one in that sense. But it's clear that back in early February they believed that it would be deadlier than, than what it turned out to be. And, and again, no disrespect to anybody that's been affected. I, you know, my oldest son lost a 23 year old friend who was perfectly healthy and, and, you know, in shape and active and unfortunately caught this because an aunt came over to his house. One of his aunts came to his house and, and gave him a hug. Somebody that didn't believe this thing was real. Um, and he caught it and yes, he was an anomaly, but an anomaly that passed, unfortunately. And so I'm well, not, and, minim- yeah, yeah, go ahead. And, well, and neither am I. And, and there's, there's going to be lasting effects, which we're only now starting to see a little tiny bit of, like there's been professional athletes with like, uh, you know, uh, heart malfunctions and things post coronavirus. I've even seen like some eye issues, glaucoma and stuff. So um, uh, the deaths are tragic and, and horrible and could have been pre- pre- prevented and there could have been fewer of them. But there's also going to be lasting damage as well that we don't even can't even calculate yet. Absolutely. No. And, and that's a great point, Nick. And, and, and we won't know, frankly, for decades. Right. Just like with 9-11, bringing it back to that point, um, you know, we we didn't know just how bad um, it would be for first responders that did everything and above what was asked of them in getting in there and trying to save as many lives as possible. And again, because of our political class, <laughs> the champion of trying to get these first responders compensation and medical care ended up having to be John Stewart. Unreal. This is where we're at in our society and our political class that's been elected to represent us. John Stewart, former host of the daily show ends up being the biggest political voice for these first responders because neither side is willing to do what's necessary to get this passed. And yes, there were people on each side that wanted to do things, but when it mattered and it came time to vote, there wasn't a majority for whatever reason. And again, it just speaks to the nastiness in U.S. politics right now. Oh, absolutely. And that was a year ago now, which I was shocked to see that it's been a year since that happened already, the John Stewart getting that uh, legislation through. But yeah, like you say, they're still on vacation. And so um, benefits are running out. The states that tried to get extended benefits are now starting to run out. And, um, you know, uh, job losses are, are turning permanent by the millions. And 
um, it's, it's ticking time bomb until like um, some more depression level stuff happens. And I'm interested to see the response. Congress is still on vacation, right? That's right. Got it. Meanwhile, in other news, China prefers that TikTok not be sold to the U.S. They'd rather it be shut down. I'm really curious what's in that algorithm, Nick. They would uh, rather lose billions of dollars than disclose what the algorithm is. And they're willing to sell it if they don't have to give up the code, which tells you that's where the sauce is, right? For sure. Uh, and Trump says he's not going to extend the deadline for a sale. And, and I haven't <laughs> and, and he wants a cut. <laughs> and, and he wants a cut. Because every fucking con man thinks they deserve a cut, right? Hey, hey, I'm in the middle of this. I can get this passed through. I, I gave an extension. Where's my cut? Where's my cut? Come on, man. <laughs> fucking clown. And I haven't been following it much further than that, other than to say, um, you know, even if this virus gets cleared up, we, we just press pause on a, on a bigger issue with the uh, trade war. Nobody talks about the Huawei anymore, and, and that uh, episode is still... Uh, happening and you and I last week talked about uh, Chinese calling for a new sovereign currency or or whatever. There's still things going on in the uh, South China Sea. Didn't China like exchange warning shots with with India uh, this multiple week? times so, now in several months? Yes. There's uh, you know it's um, the 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 fervor is is picking up there with with China. Uh, whether with or without the, the virus, there's a lot to be resolved there that um, it's going to be interesting in the in the years ahead, especially as they, uh, you know, make a play on the dollar, which we were talking about last week. I believe Trump was nominated for the Nobel Prize. Who wasn't? Putin was nominated. BLM was nominated. Antifa <laughs> <laughs> was nominated. Blue Lives Matter. I mean, come on. Did fight the Fed, Nick Hodge, get a nomination? <laughs> nah, I missed it this year. Ah, maybe next year. Maybe next year. Um, yeah, you know what? And I'm rooting for the Trumpster on these on these deals that he's 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 trying to get in the middle of, you know, in the Middle East, trying to bring peace over there. That's a that's a Rubik's cube, and I'm curious to see if if these deals have, you know, any meat on the bone, and if they hold, uh, because like a lot of the deals that are announced. Um, remember, we were supposed to have. A healthcare and comprehensive immigration plan months ago. Remember when he said that? He said in two weeks we'll be unveiling a historic healthcare plan and comprehensive immigration reform. And I was like, great. We need both of those things in this country, right? <laughs> Obama tried. It was far from perfect. It was a great conversation starter. And then they shit it all over it. And then when it comes to immigration, nobody's really done anything substantial that's positive um, since Ronald Reagan. And so what we have now is we're at a point where we're we're telling foreign students with student visas that we don't want them here. We're telling the best minds in the world that want to contribute to our society productively. We don't want them. Go back and you know take that intelligence and that work ethic somewhere else. And it's just beyond me. So I hope I hope these deals that you know he's he's portraying himself to be in the middle of hold. Um, he if they do, he he deserves credit. Um, him and his administration for 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 pursuing that that dialogue, and I just hope that some of that um, you know peace brokering is brought to the U.S. here, because there's a lot of people here in this country that are think itching for a fight. Um, hundred percent true. City's still burning. 
uh, Portland evacuating, taken back to, to the fires there, half a million people. Um, and yeah, we'd love to see some resolution, but unfortunately turning state time. Yeah. Um, California, Portland, Washington state, you know, that the, 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 the whole, you know, left side of the country, basically, you know, all, all the best to them. Um, not fun. Doesn't look like it's going to be brought under control anytime soon. Um, and yeah, hopefully there's some sort of a reasonable wind down to everything that's going on out there. Interesting times. It's a bizarre world, Nick. That's how it is. Do you have any positive stories? I know I, I th- this was a, a heavier one. Again, you know, it's 9-11. It's, it's, it's not like I reflect on 9-11, anything that I don't reflect on every other day. But, you know, I, I, I did think it was important to talk about, you know, lives lost and the political state and how inept it is and what we did in regards to privacy and the budget deficits and all of that. And, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, you know, there's an asymmetric bet on the other side that, that, that we're able to take advantage advantage of in the resource space and, and do very well for ourselves and our subscribers. And hopefully that's something that's sustainable and, and we can get as many people on board, but uh, yeah, just, just crazy times. Is there any, any, any good news that, that, that you can brighten us up with? Well, hopefully we can use some of those, uh, profits from the asymmetric bets to go uh, on vacation again once the virus is over because I want to see some of the world's angelfish. I'm going to tell you about these angelfish for a second. If I put up a picture, you would know it. They're the fish that hang around reefs with the uh, um, long, like V-shaped tails. And yeah. They're, yep. Yep. They're yep. Always, yep. And they have different colors, like bright blue and yellow or like you know uh, like nemo colored for example i think even uh i'm not sure if nemo was an angel fish or not he might have been (laughs) um but uh anyway the reason that they're so colorful and there's even more colors that we didn't know about is because um the different species of angel fish can um co-produce at a higher rate than other species like um different species of bears like don't reproduce together, right? And different species of other animals like don't interproduce. But these angelfish have a high success rate um, when uh, an angelfish male from one species fertilizes a, a female uh, angelfish eggs from a, another angelfish uh, species. And the, a lot of the babies survive. And when they do, they get these crazy color patterns, right? Like neon blue and black swirls or like fluorescent orange or whatever. Um, and so we're just now starting to figure out like why we're getting all these crazy color combinations on these fish. Um, and I'll post a link that has some really high depth pictures that are uh, pretty neat to look at. And like I say, um, hopefully if, uh, you have any success in the, uh, speculative market, you can go lay your eyes on some of these fish one day for real. That would be incredible and something to look forward to Nick. <laughs> Thank you for that. That is all I got. It should be an exciting rest of the month in the junior resource space, everyone in the gold space. I think the major U S indices are due for some more volatility. Um, you know, the bottom line is either the markets remain somewhat stable Monday, Tuesday, in hopes that Wednesday they get, you know, some encouragement from chairman Powell or, they're going to get really volatile thereafter if they're not satisfied with the language and the proposals. Um, and, and and then they're going to force the Fed's hand. And that only happens when you get drops of 10, 15%, which are, you know, in the major U.S. indices is pretty substantial, right? 
Uh, exactly right. Uh, I'm looking forward to the weeks ahead. It's going to be as, as exciting as we've discussed. Have a great week, everybody. Learn to disagree civilly with everyone so you don't get told to fuck off. Uh, and if anyone asked Nemo, it was a clownfish. <laughs> I am Gerardo Del Real along with my co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge. This was episode 86 of Bizarro World. Have a great week, everybody. See ya.